Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're talking about the Kingdom of God, and uh, we're in First Thessalonians uh, 4 this morning. We were finishing that up, and there were a couple of verses in there that uh, I'll probably go back to a little bit to, to address some of the issues that come up in there. I've actually added a little bit to the notes in the side view. If you want to know where I'm talking about, it's at preparingyou.com. You just look for the Bible links and you go to Thessalonians and you go to First Thessalonians and that's all on one page. And uh, uh, we went through uh, chapter 4 this morning. And in the end, there was a section there that it, it's been floating around for years and, and uh in the last uh, 80 years, 70 years or so, there's been a lot of theologies that have built up around, or eschatologies, I guess it'd be a better word, that have been built up around it, teachings. And it has to do with this, uh, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep is Jesus, in Jesus will God bring with him. Okay, he's talking about Jesus dying and, and raising again, and he's going. So it may be that he's talking about when he says people who sleep. He may be talking about people that are uh, actually dead in the grave, rising again. That may be what he's saying. He may be speaking more metaphorically because of the fact that the word sleep. There, which appears both here and in the the next chapter, is from koimeo, which means to lie or to uh, to set. As a metaphor, it means the power of the evil one is held in subjection by the devil. I mean, it, it, there's a big long definition. I have links below where you can go read the whole definition. I'm not making these definitions up. So, it doesn't always mean sleep. It can actually mean to set in place or to cause uh, to sleep. And it certainly doesn't always mean to die. It can mean to die, but it doesn't have to mean. So, it's it's kind of a vague word. It's translated sleep about ten times, fall asleep four times, be asleep two times, fall on sleep, etc. And one time it's translated be dead. But again, like I said this morning, to be dead may mean simply to be dead to us, dead to understanding. Remember that we, Jesus said that, you know, take away sight from them that say they see. He wasn't actually going to blind all these people, pluck out their eyes or anything like an authoritarian uh, tyrant might do, because uh, they actually did that. Sometimes they, uh, uh, when one uh, bunch of guys were fighting they they were uh, all captured. The ones that survived and were not killed, uh, they had their eyes all plucked out. And then the leaders saved one of them, had one eye, and they had to lead themselves all back to the country that they were from. And they were all blind. And so 
They actually did that. Jesus isn't going to do that. But So when he's talking about take away sight, he's talking about in a sort of metaphor. Not actually plucking out eyeballs, but making it so they cannot see. And so this morning we were talking about how do you get God to hear your prayers? How do you get so that you can see what the righteousness of God is? How do you know how to look for the kingdom? And of course, he's using words like strive. It's translated study in one place in the Bible, but that's not what the word means. It means to strive. It doesn't mean to learn things intellectually. It means to walk in a particular way of righteousness and act in a particular way of righteousness and relate to one another in a righteous way, in a social virtue way. And that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about learning something scholastically and knowing the truth. And I don't believe really that he's necessarily talking about being dead. Here, when he's referring to this this hope of uh, sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, that's a voice of the archangel, not the archangel himself, and with the trump of God, and that's not, you know, uh, Trump the president, <laughs> the, the dead in Christ shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We are to die to sin, die to the old self, die to the selfishness, And then he talks about this rising first. And he's using the word, not Jesus here, but the dead in Christ. So that's like saying those that are dead in the anointing. In the anointing of what? In the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can disregard the metaphor, try to make it some sort of literal thing. You have to turn asleep into dead that he's actually going to make the people that are in the grave rise up and they will live again. Now, when people die, I don't believe that their soul and spirit is lost forever. I believe they're dead. And I believe that their soul and spirit is still accounted for, like every sparrow. But exactly what that means and how that goes, that would be conjecture on my part. And the Bible is not given to private interpretation. Yet when I find out, I'll find out. I know now the kingdom of God is in the moment. And that moment we must use to seek righteousness. I know it is not righteous to look to men who exercise authority to take away from my neighbor, to give me an advantage, to give me a benefit, to to improve my uh, condition or my feelings or... Uh, my status, that is not righteous. I know that's not righteous. It's not righteous in this moment. It's not righteous in the next moment. It's never righteous. So seeking the kingdom of God is going this other way. People make a big deal out of this. They have raptures where they're going to be taken up and heaven and all this stuff because, you know, God will, you know, come like a shout. Christ will come. Jesus will come. Uh, the Lord will come himself with a shout. 
Some people believe this has already taken place. They, people want to call them preterists. Uh, they, people always talk about the second coming. They're not numbered in the Bible. It talks about coming back. It talks about events. And you can look at events that were recorded in past, and it appears that some of this may have already happened at the fall of Jerusalem. Did it? I don't know. I'm just looking at the different accounts. Some will say the account is forgery. Some will say somebody added it. And they may have. But what I know is that I cannot covet my neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other without betraying Christ. I can say, Lord, Lord, but I'm betraying Christ. By acting in such an unrighteous fashion. But the modern Christian, it's absolutely okay because they have become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others. They did it under LBJ. They do it under welfare. They do it under Biden. They did it under FDR. And actually, if you go back even before FDR, there was evidence that we were moving in that direction. Certainly with the Federal Reserve is doing the same thing. It's certainly not just weights and measures that and that it's based on notes of debt and all that we have made so many steps in the wrong direction getting back to the kingdom will take a miracle those people in Thessalonia were on their way back towards the kingdom now he says then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So, caught up in the clouds. So, this whole prophecy is about this. And everybody always thinks that it has to do with them. Uh, although, some people say this took place at the fall of Jerusalem. There is reports from historians that work for the Romans that seem to be authentic, although some people bring it into question because they don't want to believe it or because there is some evidence that maybe it was recopied by somebody else or added somebody added something. I don't know. But the account is, is that the soldiers of Titus wanted to pull back after they surrounded Jerusalem because they saw men standing and marching in the clouds. Now, of course, to your average atheist or non-religious, they'll think, that's crazy, that's insane, because they're painting a picture in their minds of a wispy, foggy cloud floating in the air, and there's men walking around in those foggy clouds. And that's what they think they're talking about. And maybe they are. Maybe they're not. We have other clues to look at. And we can look at those clues if you want. Well, what clouds are these they're talking about? Well, the Greek word is nephele. Nephele. What is a nephele? <laughs> that's a good question. That sounds a lot like Nephilim. But anyway, Nephile, it does mean a cloud. It's used of a cloud which uh, led the Israelites in the wilderness. What was that cloud like? 
In the daytime, they said it looked like a pillar of smoke. Now, why did they say it looked like a pillar of smoke? Because it was foggy, you know, with that wispy clouds that we see, or because it was floating in the air like a cloud? Because if it was float, if there was a pillar up there floating in the air like a cloud, they would say the pillar is like a cloud. They're not saying it looks like a cloud, but it floats in the air like the cloud. But they're saying it's a pillar. At night, they said it was on fire because at night it glowed. There was evidently light emanating from it. And they could see the light at night. They didn't see the light at day. They just saw this thing. And it was floating and they followed it around. There's all kinds of reports in India and everything. Unidentified flying objects. Are they full of little green men from other planets? I don't think so. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me because I know that to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness will take the scale off my eyes so that I may see what I could not see before. I know that if I am covetous and engaged in covetous practices, coveting my neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority, I know that I will become merchandise. I wrote a whole book explaining how you become merchandised, how you become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And it explains it. And I was able to write the book because I know a little Greek, I know a little Latin, I know a little Hebrew, and I know a little law. And out here on the desert, I put it all together and wrote the book, Covenants of the Gods. Covenants of the Gods, that's when you make covenants with the gods of the world. Now, if you change the definition of world to only mean planet, then you may not get what I'm talking about. If you change the word gods to only mean like some sort of spiritual god in the heavens, then you may not know what I'm talking about. But if you know that the word god was used every day to talk about ruling judges who could exercise authority and decide what was good and evil in courts of law, which is the way the word was used both in Hebrew and in Greek, then the God's many that Paul talks about becomes somebody else. It becomes something else. If you understand that there are five different words in the Greek language that are all translated into world, and the one that they're talking about where Jesus says, my kingdom is not of the world, I don't want you to be of the world, you can be in the world, but I don't want you to be of the world, and you know that the word he's using when he says all this is the word that means constitutional order or system of government, which is what it says in the concordance. I'm not making this up. That's what it says there. Then you know what he's saying is that if you want to have pure religion unspotted by the constitutional order or system of government, then you're going to have to take care of all the social welfare for your community, the congregations of your community, the tens, hundreds, and thousands that you're sitting in and, and organized in because Christ commanded that that's the way you organize yourselves. That you're taking care of all that social welfare through a daily ministration that only uses charity and no force whatsoever. Obviously, almost nobody can say that unless maybe you're Amish or something. And so, there's a lot of people who think they're Christians that have need of repentance. If you were to seek to go that way, hopefully, with your repentance, thinking a different way and going a different way, God will run out and meet you halfway because I don't really see how you're going to get there 
with the time you have left. And so why do I know you only have so much time left? Well, we maybe get to that. But anyway, the nephile, the cloud, which comes from another word, the uh, nephos, which is kind of a root word in the Greek. You know, it's a noun. It means a cloud, a large, dense, multitude, or a throng. Of what? Of people. They actually use the word like a multitude of people. It could be a vaporous cloud in the sky, but it could actually be a multitude of people. And so, but the Nephile, not Nephilim, Nephile, uh, it could be a cloud, but it's a cloud like the cloud that Israel was following. Now, what were they following? Was it, you know, a lighter than airship? Was it some sort of mechanical contrivances? You know, all this, I, I have seen lots of unidentified flying objects. I live way out in the desert. But, I haven't seen any little green men yet. You know, I'll let you know if I do. Maybe I'll let you know. I don't know if I'll let you know. You probably think I was crazy if I do. So far, I haven't seen any. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard people say they've seen them. You know, greys and green men and, uh, you know, draconians or whatever they call them. Uh, you know, and, uh, there's also some that are supposed to look like Norwegians, tall, thin Norwegians and everything. I've seen all those. I mean, anybody who stands in line at the grocery store has probably seen them on those magazines there. Do they exist? I don't know. I haven't seen them. I do know that I am both a spiritual and physical creature. I do know that if I follow the ways of unrighteousness, of hate and unforgiveness, that my life will be a misery. Why? Because I see people doing that all the time. That if I live a selfish life and don't sacrifice my time and energy for other people, I'm going to be depressed. And if I take depression medication, it's probably going to get worse. But I know that if I care about others and put my life into that investment of caring about others, I will not be depressed. Uh, And if I walk in forgiveness, I will not be burdened by anger and resentment. By uh, uh, animosity. I don't need to carry those chains like Marley carries. I can, forgiveness cuts through chains better than my settling welding torch. <laughs> forgiveness works. As I told somebody that, it was a kind of a music star. And uh, he had, had a nervous breakdown and some people had me come up and counsel him. And I came into the room to counsel him and he had all the lights off all the shades shut I've seen this more than once where they're shutting out all the light that that whatever is in them does not like light and they want to be they want to dwell in darkness they don't want any lights on but anyway I talked to him for a while and and finally it was about midnight or maybe a little later I went down and talked to the host of the household the head of the household and he asked, so what do you think? And I says, well, forgiveness works. And he can't seem to forgive anybody. And so he's got to carry the burden of that unforgiveness. And I don't, I can't help him until he lets go of all his anger and resentment towards everybody else. And of course, what feeds that is trying to blame everybody else for his particular, you know, he squandered all his money and booed all on drugs and you know, his wife 
fled him because he was threatening her life. I mean, it was just a mess. And uh, drugs really added a lot to it. But vanity, vanity is a dangerous thing to try to carry around. And in show business, that that is a dangerous thing, vanity. People putting you up on pedestals. I know it. when people try to do that with me in the old days, it would make me physically ill. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I realized that it was because people were trying to put you up on a pedestal. Well, I ain't going. And I'm at peace with that. So it doesn't bother me. And besides, I say enough truth now that pretty much everybody wants to knock me off that pedestal pretty quick if I did get up on it, which I did not get up on. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, the point is, is that we don't know what he meant by meeting in the clouds. We don't know if this has already taken place. And if you're going to build your whole faith around raptures and, and ideologies like this, thinking that that was written for you right now, well, think again. I pointed out this morning also that you know, Ambrose wanted uh, Origen to write this thing against Celsus, uh, which has fed huge amounts of these false doctrines ever since. Not not to pick on Origen, but it added weight to the trolls, as if the trolls actually had something to complain about. I was just, just conversing back and forth. I said I was on this Weinstein fan group. I'm not really a fan, but it was an interesting conversation that I see there once in a while. There's a lot of wide variety of people, but one guy was just going on and on, and I I pointed out several things that he didn't know what he was talking about, but he immediately wants to revert. Instead of discussing the issues that are laid out before you, he goes and tries to find something else wrong with you and pick on that. That's typical troll behavior. Uh, they do, They don't deal with facts. They deal with accusations. And this is what you read in uh, Celsus's monologues. Uh, we don't have his whole thing. We just have where he was quoted. But it's very clear that he was just attacking to attack. He wasn't attacking the actual essentials. And he actually avoided getting to the essentials of Christianity. And the essentials of Christianity is why they were persecuted, which is why we have an article up, uh, Christian Conflict. And the conflict with Rome was the fact that Rome had moved from, at one time, Rome used a charitable system of welfare. But they had moved away from that, mostly. They had begun moving away about a hundred years before Augustus. But Augustus really put them on the fast track, just the same as FDR, you know, put us on this track. Others had kind of nudged us in this direction. Theodore Roosevelt a little bit. Uh, Certainly Woodrow Wilson. But then uh, Calvin Coolidge was backtracking uh, from that, getting back to that, trying to get people to be responsible. But the Federal Reserve was already in place and he could not get people to do it. So he just decided he's not going to run because people don't want to see the truth. And he knew disaster was around the corner. So he said somebody else is going to have to handle it. Hoover was incapable. FDR, everything FDR did was a failure. What made America great again, or actually put it back on the road, unfortunately it borrowed a lot of money to do it, it, had, it which made it take longer, was that people got back to work. But that's when FDR started paying people not to work so hard. And, uh, and FDR started this whole thing of the, the system that has brought you all back into the bondage of Egypt again. 
where you don't own your labor. The government does. And not just 20%, but 30%, 40%, even 50% of your labor can go to the government because you don't own your labor anymore. You are a surety for debt. And that was the purpose of Social Security, was to make you collateral for the debt. Now, a lot of people don't want to like me to say that, but then they haven't read the Social Security Act. <laughs> right? I mean, have you read it? Uh, did you read it originally? Did you read the book by the guy who wrote it? Did you read the complaints uh, by people who didn't want it passed, but then finally conceded to have it passed because they made an agreement with the government that they would be exempt. So, the fact is, is that it's set in motion a chain of facts that I can go through in great detail and have in hundreds and hundreds of articles and numerous books, thousands of footnotes, and you can go figure it all out and read all about it because everything's online for free. Or... You can do what Christ said, which is the solution. Think differently. Turn around your thinking and turn around your actions. Start seeking a kingdom, a government of God that operates by the perfect law of liberty through righteousness, through love, through charity, through faith. Start caring for one another as if you were caring for yourself. Because you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, some neighbors, you probably shouldn't give them anything. No food, no money, uh, nothing because they will just misuse it. You should probably give them the truth, though. But then you even, Christ warned you about that. You don't want to give them too much truth that they'll turn on you and rent you under. So anyway... I just wanted to make sure that people who read Thessalonians and read this thing about the clouds and those asleep and those dead in Christ is not necessarily talking about these private interpretations of what the Bible is supposed to be telling us. And if they go into great detail about these things but don't deal with the covetous practices that make you merchandise, curse your children and make you all surety for debt, then... They're distracting you from the true gospel of the kingdom. And they're distracting you and wasting your time that should be spent in seeking that kingdom so that God can run out and meet you halfway. So anyway, if we go on to Thessalonians 5, which is not super long, it's only uh, 28 verses, not all very long verses, but it starts off, but of the time and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Because they, you can see the times and the seasons. Jesus talked about that. You who can read the signs in the sky, but, you know, is it going to rain? Is it going to be hot? Is it, is there a storm coming? They can read the signs in the the sky, but you cannot see the signs of the time. Now, he's saying the Thessalonians could. Well, that's probably part of their motivation to create this, this alternative system that operates by that perfect law of liberty through faith, hope, and charity that provided a daily ministration for the needy of their society, their community. 
See, the early Christians were not engaged in the covetous practices of Rome. They could not go to Rome when there was a famine and say, do you have free bread for us too? They could not go to the Pharisees and say, do you have some free bread for us too? And they'll say, well, we'll look into our Corbin, the treasury. There was two words used in the Greek text for treasury. One was Corbin which is also, we see as Corbin, but in one place it's translated treasury because Corbin means sacrifice, and where do you put the sacrifices? In the treasury. But in the kingdom of God, we don't have a central treasury. We put that treasure in your hands. We redistribute the wealth you give us to redistribute to you. To take care of the needy of your society. And if we need more, just like your own body, you know, if you're going to run, more blood's going to your legs, more blood's going to your lungs. If you're resting, well, now it's going to go and repair all your joints and muscles that you wrecked while you were running. <laughs> so, anyway, but that's, that's about how the body works and that's how the body of Christ works. The system of the world, they gather wealth into central treasuries. We don't do that. In order to make our body function, we create this network so that, you know, if there's a need in Corinth, Galatia may send it. Syria may send it. If there's a need in Ephesus, Corinth may send it. And they help one another out. In order to do that efficiently, though, you have to have that network or that circulatory system. And he's saying to them, you guys know the times and the seasons, which was at that particular time, there were famines, there was breakdown in social order, there was corruption in the government. Uh, there were people that occasionally would starve because aid wouldn't come. But for the Christian, the aid showed up. And he goes on to say, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The woman with child is feeling the travail, the the labor pains, because she is with child. And those who say, Peace and safety, but are obtaining that peace and safety through covetous practices, Destruction shall come upon them. They shall become merchandise. They shall become surety for debt. They shall go under tribute. They shall, tyrants will rise up, like Polybius says. And Polybius said it so clearly 150 years before Christ was born that you should be able to tell from there this, how the kingdom works. But it, Polybius was a Greek from Corinth. Uh, when Corinthians were still alive, he was uh, he was a prisoner, and then later on the Romans went back and killed all the people in Corinth because they kept betraying their covenants with the gods of Rome, which was the ruling judges of Rome, and so those judges came down on them. Contract is a powerful thing, which is why we were told not to make covenants with them nor with their gods. But anyway. In uh, verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you 
as a thief. Ye are the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. That fellow that I went to council, here up in northern Oregon, he wanted to sit in the dark. Had other guys, you know, they, they, you know, that, that they all distraught and depressed and they're sitting in the dark. I just find it absolutely fascinating. Like all the shades are pulled all, <laughs> all the, like it's dark in here. Like what's going on? <laughs> Is this an ambush? But the idea, what you do when you start, when you start seeing and and repenting, and thinking differently, and acting differently, and sacrificing for the well-being of others. I'm not saying send it to me. I'm saying for one another, caring about others. The light comes in you. The Holy Spirit will come in you. And though you walk into a dark room, it shall be filled with light. And the demons, you don't cast them out. The light casts them out. And cast them out of them. And they, those who are depressed, stop being depressed. And those who are afraid, stop being afraid. The unfortunate thing, same as you saw with Jesus when he was healing people, that if they go away and don't repent, the evil will come back with a vengeance. The disease will come back with a vengeance. Because you did not repent. You did not change your ways. Because what's going on in the world today, again, is a symptom of what we've all become. And we need to repent of that and become something different. But how do we, do we remake ourselves? Do, do we become something other than what we are by our own design? Or do we conform to the design of Christ? Because the practice, the covetous practice of Jerome and the Corbin of the Pharisees was considered idolatry. That's why they wouldn't be a part of it. They provided the means by which to practice pure religion for the people through a daily ministration of faith, hope, and charity. And Christians today are not doing that. They're going to Caesar just like the Pharisees. See, the Corbin of the Pharisees, yeah, they... They took in the payments from the people and they put them in the treasury and they took care of the needy of society, the, the widows and orphans of society. The, and the sons said, well, I don't have to do it anymore because uh, the temple, I gave to the temple and the temple will take care of them. So I have to do no more ought for my parents because it's now the job of the government to take care of my parents. And now we've gone so far as the government not only takes care of your parents, it takes care of your children, it takes care of the poor, it takes care of the needy. You just have to pay the government. But of course this puts more and more power in the hands of the government and then men who seek power seek offices in government. And now that's what we see is that men who want power, want control, want wealth, want riches, don't care about you whatsoever. They want power. They want power in government and they're fighting for that power. But no matter who wins, somebody who wants power will be in power. The only thing that will change the course of human history is you have to think differently. You have to change. And if you think differently and walk 
differently. That's what they were telling the Thessalonians. They were showing you how to walk in the way. If you do that, God will write upon your heart and mind. And you will not only think differently, you will think righteously. So in verse 6, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He's not saying let us not die. He's saying let us not sleep. Let us not be woke. Let us be awakened. (laughs) So if you catch the metaphor there. And he says, but let us watch. So again, you know, I talked to you already about that word, kami, to sleep. What this word, kami, it is the word from which kami comes from. And, you know, it's a middle voice word. And it means to lie or lay down. And that's where you see the definition. Lie in the power of the evil one is held in subjection by the devil, which is by the adversary, the adversary of Christ. What is the adversary of Christ? Christ wants you to live by faith, hope, and charity, and the adversary of Christ wants you to live by force, fear, and fealty. And then that brings you into subjection. That makes you merchandise. That curses your children. That brings you back entangled again in the elements of the world and the bondage of Egypt. Because you coveted your neighbor's goods. Just like the Israelites, uh, the brothers of Joseph, coveted his goods. Coveted his coat of many colors. Coveted his position. And they attacked him. So this is, this is what they're talking about. We don't want to be that way. Because that way puts us to sleep. It takes our sight away. It puts us into darkness. It puts us into dreamland. So that we cannot see the truth. You can give them all the facts you want. They can't see it. So we have to turn away from that. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Drunken with what? The benefits of the benefactors who exercise authority. Drunk with the wages of unrighteousness. The wages that come from those covetous practices are the wages of unrighteousness. But let us who are of the day, of the light, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, and love, that was part of the full armor of God. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. In other words, to want to take away from others. The extreme socialists are the ones who want to see, you know, Trump die. And, and want to see you get COVID if you don't wear a mask. I hope you die from COVID. I hope your relatives all die from COVID. That's the kind of things you hear coming out. Of. Because those are the kinds of people that go out on murderous, if they were given the power to do it, they would go out on a murderous rampage and kill everybody they could and then kill themselves. They would fall on their own sword because they are drunk with the power of making you do what they want. That's why they try to shame you because you're not wearing a mask. Is They want power over you. And if you get a million people or 300 million people who want power, 
they will elect a man who lets them have some of that power. But ultimately, one ring rules them all. You know, like in the uh, Gandalf and the Lord of the Rings, they they tempt you by giving you a little power, but they will still have power over you. But anyway, he says back here, remember in verse 6 where he says, Let us be watchers. The Greek word there is Gregorio. <laughs> uh, what? That's my name, Gregory. What does that word mean? Vigilant, watcher, a metaphor, give strict attention to, be cautious, active. Well, that's why they gave me that name, I guess, when I was a little kid, is that I was going to be a watcher and expose the truth. I'm sharing it with you so that you can become a watcher too. But you will forget what I'm telling you. You will not remember. You maybe remember that it was important, but you will have trouble repeating it until it's written on your heart. And the way to get it to written on, to be written on your heart is to live it, to walk it, which is why it was so important when they were talking to the Thessalonians, talking about how they walk, how they relate to one another. And so he goes, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace amongst yourself. Because they, they had admonished you. They want you to work amongst yourselves. Take care of one another. That's it. There's a job in being a Christian. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort them that are feeble-minded. What do they mean, feeble-minded? That, that seems like kind of an insult. It, it's a word that actually means faint of heart. Those people that are afraid to take that step into the kingdom of God, which operates by faith, hope, and charity, rather than force, fear, and fealty. They're afraid to take that step. They're afraid to leave the comfort of that system. And so, they're faint of heart. And so, we also see, you know, the, this uh, where it talks about comfort them. If we uh, go up to that word comfort, it's uh, uh, parakaleo in the Greek. It's translated beseech 43 times. That's like, you know, beckon to. Comfort 23 times. Uh, exhort 21 times. Desire 8 times. Pray 6 times. What, what does it really mean? To call to one side. To call for, to summon, to address. What it has to do with is really probably, and I don't see the word anywhere in the definition, but it, oh, it actually it does. It does eventually have. To encourage, to strengthen. Realize everybody may not have your courage. Everybody may not have your faith, but encourage them. So it says, comfort those that are faint of heart. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. Don't make the weak weaker, but support the weak. And and when they the word weak, it's translated six almost as much, or weakness, or weaker, or weak thing, infirm, feeble. So 
this is what the church should be doing, but the church doesn't do that. What the church does is send them to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And those men bring them into the snares of the adversary because they are taking the benefits that are obtained by coveting your neighbor's goods by force. And Christ said we were not to be that way. But you want to worry about raptures will be out of here and Jesus loves me and I'm going to be saved and everything. I'm not going to do anything he told me to do. I'm not going to do any of the things that the early church was doing. But somehow or other, I think I'm going to be raptured into the clouds. I wouldn't count on it. You got some repenting to do. You got to turn around some. Patience toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both amongst yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Pray for what? Pray for a new car. Pray for this. Pray for that. Pray for stuff you you want, your comfort. You want those prayers answered? Start praying for other people. Start caring about other people. You can't, you can't approach God with, I want, I want, I want, I give me, give me, give me. You're, you become a sociopath for God. <laughs> Jesus is one who comes to serve. If you have prayers deep down in your heart, you know, like, yeah, I would like a, a better car to help my husband get to work. Okay, well, that's a pretty good prayer. I want a better car because I don't like that old junker and I'm so embarrassed driving it around. Eh, that's not going to work so good. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, why do you want what you want? You know, so anyway, in everything, give thanks. Whether you get it or not, be thankful. Thank you for not giving me that car. It's like kind of, I always remember the lottery guy who won the lottery years ago. And uh you, you, in those days, you get a lottery payment. You get... You know, so much a month until you died. It didn't go to your, you know, if you died, payments stopped. They weren't coming anymore. You won the lottery. Your wife didn't win the lottery. <laughs> so, you're, unless you said you both own the ticket or something. But, uh, anyway, he won the lottery. And he had all this money that was going to be coming in every month. And, of course, right away, the banks were willing to loan him almost anything because he had this regular money coming in. And so he went out and bought the fancy, I think it was a Cadillac or something, you know, and it had a TV in the back and, and air conditioning and all this uh, luxury car, leather upholstery and everything. And he parked it in his garage and everything. And he went out there to watch TV in the back seat in his air conditioned car. And of course the battery was running down. So he started up the car and he kept watching TV. And of course, maybe you figured it out already. He didn't evidently. He died of carbon monoxide poisoning in the back of his car. Payment stopped. Car went back. He was dead. He got what he wanted. He wanted to win the lottery. But he lost his life instead. So, if you don't win the lottery, thank God for that. Because it may be the end of you if you did. So, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Stop judging God if you don't get what you want. 
Quench not the spirit of faith and love for one another. Despise not the prophesyings. Approve all things. Hold fast that which is good. See, people, they can't prove that we're going to be raptured in the clouds. They can imagine that we're going to be raptured in the clouds. They can't prove it. But they want to believe that so much, they don't hold fast to what is good. What is good is to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. That's good. What is good is to forgive one another. To gather in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And don't say, well, I don't want to gather with any more because I don't like that guy. So where's your forgiveness? Maybe he doesn't like you either, but he showed up. Have you been striving? Have you been persevering in doing what Christ commanded? Probably not. But great. Today is the rest of the day is of your lives begins. So start now what you have failed to do before. So prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Just the appearance of evil. There's actually more to that word appearance, but you know, I mean and what's evil? You know, poneros. Is the word in the Greek. Evil is translated 51 times. Wicked 10 times. Wicked 1, 6 times. Evil things twice. It actually means full of labors. Annoyances. Hardships. That has to do with the mark of the beast. That's full of labors too. This A grievous sore. That has to do with full of labors. Annoyances. Hardships. Bringing toils, annoyances, perils of of a time full of peril, like lockdowns, inflation. We're evidently going to have quite a round of inflation here. Abstain from the appearance of this contentious spirit. Remember, whatever's happening in the world, it's a byproduct of what we have failed to do or what we have been doing. It is the symptom. If you want the cure, you have to look at yourself and hold fast to what is good. And the very God of peace sanctifying you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, Pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Why does he say all the brethren? He's not just talking about the people in their little local congregation. Because you have to remember, even though the early church was a home church, they were linked from Galatia to Corinth to Ireland to Syria to Ephesus to Corsica they were to Jerusalem. They were linked all over. Because they were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. There were a few that had followed John the Baptist. And they didn't even know of Christ. And they were out there in Ephesus. And Paul had to... Paul, who comes, you know, a little bit later. He's explaining to them about Jesus Christ. They didn't even know about that. And then he ended up working there in a school to teach what? Teach the ways of the kingdom. We should open up a school here to teach the ways of the kingdom. You come for a week, two weeks, and maybe learn some of these things. 
So greeting all with this holy kiss. Why? Because you might pass on the exosomes, which is the immunity to all the diseases that everybody else is getting. I mean, when Jesus came out of the tomb, the first thing he did is went up to the people and breathed on the apostles. Under today's rules, the apostles couldn't even get together. <laughs> They'd all have to wear masks. Jesus wouldn't be allowed to breathe on them because <laughs> they might get COVID. Well, you might get the Holy Spirit, too. He goes in in verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Remember, they're talking to a small group in, in uh, Thessalonia. But they're connected to everybody in Macedonia. All over. All the home churches are connected. They're all part of this network. All a part of the body of Christ. All doing their own thing. Working and minding their own business. But yet casting their bread upon the waters. So that aid could be moved around when it was needed. And from time to time. As the Holy Roman. The unholy Roman Empire. Began to break down. And fall apart. And decline. And corruption. And degradation. And degeneration. It was necessary to move supplies around and to receive people who evacuated certain areas that just became too tough. And they were able to do this because they had been working at a network of righteousness for years and years. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So, this was Thessalonians. Now we have to get into Second Thessalonians, which is another letter. There is some little bit of differences in, in the, the two letters. I, I don't really think that they were written by different people. Some people conjecture that. But in looking at the Greek, I think that they're fairly close and fairly reasonable. I think that some of the misunderstanding about it is because people have created these false theologies. And eschatologies and doctrines and prophecies and they through their private interpretation they've missed the very basic essentials of the gospel of the kingdom. Now on the pages right now I have uh, I have a recording of the Thessalonians one through three which we did a while ago, but uh, we will replace it with this recording and uh, I have a few quotes here and it may add more, but I put in here. In Second Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now we saw that up here uh, in Thessalonians and they're talking about that as well. And, and they're saying the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works uh, that are therein shall be burned up. Well, yeah, we'd, you can draw a picture of that. We could certainly give you an image of that, where the this you know, like a meteorite hits the earth and disintegrates everything. But I have a live link there where you can go to another article, which is the elements. Uh, and that article tells us the elements of the world. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. And it goes on in Second Peter 3.15, Looking for 
and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens bring on the fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements of the world are also called the rudiments of the world. And uh, this whole article will go through it uh, piece by piece. And uh, you'll see that what they're talking about is the world, these constitutional orders or system of government, the elements that make the world the world, the constitutional order and system of government, shall fall apart. They shall disintegrate. They shall be destroyed under the heat of what? The heat of righteousness. The uh, I didn't get much into it, but the archangel. The word archangel that we saw earlier in Thessalonians. Uh, the word angel there is messenger. It doesn't have to be translated angel. It actually means a messenger. Somebody with a message. And the archangel uh, is the the primary leader of that message, the primary uh, uh, authority on that message. Now, the message from God is the message from God. I have an opinion about it. You have an opinion about it. But God's opinion is the message of God. That is the arco. If you actually conform to the message of God, you become, and you give that message, you are an archangel. Because you, you have the actual message of God and not the fake message of God that a lot of other people think that we have. But anyway, I also have Peter 3.15 there and you can read all that. But right now, we're out of time. So, all I can do is say, peace on your house and may God be with you uh, and with your spirit. So, until we meet in, join, join the network Go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Find the network links. Join the network in your area. Get into a congregation of tens, hundreds, and thousands. Start seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And God will fill in the rest. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.